Welcome to the Watch Quant Podcast, where we discuss watch markets backed by numbers. This podcast is here to help you make smarter decisions about your watch portfolio because we see your timepieces not just as accessories, but as crucial pieces of your investment portfolio. And so, this is not the Houdinki Podcast as much as we love Houdinki. We're not here to wax poetic about the aesthetics of watches instead. We will dive deep into the watch markets, covering popular, surprisingly undervalued, overpriced, volatile, and otherwise watch markets. We're going to focus on the specifics. We're going to analyze trends. We're going to look at some hidden gems, and hopefully we're going to understand the market drivers behind the price, uh, the price movements. And so join us, please, as we explore the exciting world of watch markets, uncovering their secrets and the opportunities at hand. Today, we will have a guest uh, my friend and a very great trader, uh, somebody who's been a bit of a mentor to me, named Matt also. So my name is Matt. His name is also Matt. And uh, and it'll be up to him if he wants to share any more information than that. But I can tell you a little bit about him based on his bio. So Matt is a serial entrepreneur and a strategy consultant. So he actually runs his own consulting group today, which is wonderful. It's called Cedars Consulting Group. And he began flipping cars as a teenager. Interesting because there's a lot of people in the watch market that do flip cars today. They seem to be kind of in line. So that's pretty cool. Uh, when he learned the dynamics of marketplaces, which will happen when you get into it, uh, flipping cars uh, pretty quick, I think. And when he understood scarcity and how consumers make value decisions, he traded his way up to buying a Porsche in cash before he graduated high school and has been publicly recognized by John Delaney and Dave Ramsey himself. John Deloney, John Deloney, excuse me. Dave Ramsey, one of my favorites, helped me get out of debt myself, although I've not done my debt-free scream, I know that Matt has, so that's pretty cool. Um, he has a deep-seated expertise and a passion for business economics, incentive structures, and valuations, particularly in the automotive and horological spaces. So Matt is a, a particularly good um, person to have on the podcast. We'll be able to discuss kind of what WatchQuant does. We'll be able to discuss what he does, how he looks to, at prices, and how he does, uh, how maybe I'd, I'd like to ask him how long it takes him to assess what a watch should actually cost, what he should be aiming to pay for a watch. I know Matt likes to be very aggressive with his numbers. He likes those spreads to be big. He likes to buy them cheap and sell them real expensive. Um, or maybe not real expensive, but he likes to buy them real cheap. So um, that's certainly mostly what people like to do, but I'll let Matt speak for himself when he gets on the cat, the pod. So, um, so yeah, excited today to be able to speak with Matt today. We're going to play a little game called what's going up. And this is all opinion. So please always remember everything we say here is absolutely opinion based. Although we do consider ourselves to be um, watch experts or, you know, watch enthusiasts, we do not consider ourselves to be investment advisors. So please absolutely take nothing we say uh, seriously enough to make any investment decisions. Always uh, speak with your registered investment advisor before doing so. All right. So we'll see you in a moment when Matt joins us. All right. So welcome then to Mr. Drum. Matt, your name's on the screen, so I can't help it. Uh, I've now shared your full, your full oh. identity. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, no worries. My, my name's yeah. out there. Hey, everyone. Hey, everybody. So yeah, we just did our introduction. Matt is joining us all the way from where are you at? 
Gilbert, Arizona. Oh, man, you are pretty far away, actually. I'm in Florida, so. Um, but Matt and I, uh, just before we got on here, we're just talking about some watches we uh, we were hoping to move, had moved, or are going to be moving soon. So uh, today's podcast is going to be hopefully a little bit of a hybrid. We'll talk to Matt about his past and what brings him to the to the watch market and um, what he loves so much about it. But also, we'll talk about some speculation we have uh, for our own just from our own point of view about uh, what might happen going forward. And as I said before, and as well, I'll always say again, anything that we say is opinion only, and you should never take our advice because it's not advice. Don't make any decisions without talking to your investment advisor and or doing your own research. All right, Matt, do you disagree with that? Or you think it, are you an investment advisor? Only take our legal yes, advice. Take our legal advice. Don't take <laughs> <laughs> and medical advice. <laughs> exactly. Uh, cool. Well, welcome. Thank, thanks for joining me on my third podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks yeah, for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited for you. This is great. Thanks. This is my, um, how's that? First? How'd the first two go? I know you wouldn't, you wouldn't have listened to them. No. I listened to half of the first one and I'm going to finish it. I promise, but I haven't heard. Actually, the not, one not bad. I haven't checked analytics or anything on the second one, but the first one got like 25, 25 listens or so. 25,000. 25,000. That would be cool. No, 25 that weren't <laughs> me. Um, they will. But yeah, I think anything, like anything, you know, just put value out there and we'll keep talking about watches and people will they build it and they will come. That's that's what they say, right? Dude, you could talk to me about watches and valuations of things and like marketplaces and stuff. I mean, I could talk about this all day. Like you've tapped into something deep in me here i <laughs> well i actually so i was really about excited it. about your intro because i read your intro and i didn't realize that you were that you started this in high school and that you were flipping cars before watches which i mean cars is some deep shit excuse my language i don't usually curse on this podcast you're allowed to curse by the way um that's pretty deep pretty heavy value i'm going to turn off that sound um but tell me about that how did you how did you get into flipping cars in high school it was really funny because so I my brother handed me down his old Saab, which was worth very little. If I mean, if you know anything about Saabs, um, it was right when I got my it was before I even got my license. Um, he had gotten another car and, you know, my, my parents helped him out with that one. So it was more like a family vehicle. Um, and so it became mine when I turned 15 and a half and I could start driving on my own. And within I kid you not about 30 days, I told my parents, I want to sell this and I want to try to buy another car. And they, along with everyone else, I told my idea said I was a complete idiot that none of my friends have the privilege of having a car before I'm even 16, you know, at my disposal. And here I was trying to get rid of it. You know, that was stupid, but you know, I, I was pretty smart. I mean, I was really, I was better. They were at math, <laughs> which is enough to convince them at the time. Um, and so they, they listened to me and they let me try it out. So I just said, look, I'm going to sell it and I'm going to try to buy something else and just see what I can do with it. And, and honestly, my my personal goal was I just want to drive a different car every now and then. And I want to see, you know, I don't want to be stuck with a Saab, even though I love Saabs even to this day. But I want to try BMW. I want to try an Audi. I want to try a Mercedes. I wanted to just see how these things drove and what the difference was and I was also I was also into building stuff and mechanical stuff. And, you know, that led me to getting my mechanical engineering degree later. But 
you know, I just liked quality things and mechanical things. And so to be able to get my hands on different brands of vehicles and different engines and things like that, you know, that, that was a lot of fun to me. Um, and after the first one I sold, I realized, so I got an exact same Saab. I just played it safe. I didn't get anything that, you know, could have broken down or wasn't a super safe car like Saabs were known to be. Um, but after my first one, I made, I don't know, like 200 bucks on the first car I sold after, uh, or the first car I bought and sold, I realized why would I just drive these for free? I may as well just make a few hundred bucks. I mean, you know, the, the cars I was buying were three or four grand, right? But you can negotiate a $3,500 car down to 2,500 sometimes, and then you can go and sell it for 3,200 or 3,500. And I was you know, I mean, I, I was working, I had little jobs and chores and I, you know, help people out with errands and stuff, but a thousand bucks to me was like, like total game changer. And so I really just set my sights on my dream car at the time, which was a Porsche Cayman. That's all I wanted. And I obsessed over it. I mean, seriously, daily, I was on Craigslist. And so, and this gets into kind of how I learned a lot about markets and marketplaces scarcity, incentive structure, stuff like that, um, is I was on Craigslist at least three or four hours a day, like minimum. And that was right when smartphones had just kind of started coming out at the time. This was 10 years ago or so. Um, I guess smartphones were, no, it was longer than that, 13, 14 years ago, 09, 2010. You know, smartphones were still kind of a newer thing. Um, and once I realized I could have Craigslist, cars.com, eBay, all of that on my phone, I was glued to it. I mean, nonstop. So I spent hours and hours a day. And when I'd go to bed at night, you know, it'd be 10 o'clock and I'd stay up for two more hours, just looking at every single car out there and slowly just digesting um, and absorbing all this information on what cars were priced at what price points. And eventually I started seeing the trends and I picked up the patterns of, okay, you can get a 2003, Saab 9.5 for, you know, three grand and it's got under a hundred thousand miles or whatever it was. If you can do that, you can make a thousand bucks on it every time. And so when I'd see something come up on Craigslist, you know, eventually I, I started selling cars more frequently. I was making a little bit better margin on some of them. I mean, some of them I made four or five grand on, which was completely insane to me. I, I turned, there were multiple times where I turned three grand into six grand or five grand into 10. And it, sometimes it just took a month, which was hilarious. Um, but yeah, eventually I got good at it and I was buying multiple cars. I was literally, it was funny cause I wasn't 18, so I couldn't sign any of the titles. So I was having my brother sign the paperwork for me. So I was titling in my brother's name and then my cousin's name. And I was literally just using, I was registering, I'm doing it legally, but you know, I was using other people to help me register it before I turned 18. Um, and yeah, eventually I got to the point where if I saw a good deal, I was the first one who was seeing it because I was on Craigslist so much. And so I would call the person within 12 hours of them listing it. And I knew how to negotiate and I convinced them because I sounded like an expert when it came to the market because I kind of was, I knew what was going on in our market for cars and people believed me and people were, it was easy to negotiate in that sense. Um, you know, it wasn't always perfect. There were a few cars I lost on or I sat on too long. Um, and so anyways, that is really what kind of launched me into this. It's really always just been a hobby because I've always done other jobs. I got an engineering job right out of school. 
Um, and now I'm an entrepreneur. I have a couple of businesses that I run, but you know, just flipping stuff and buying and selling things. It's just always been fun to me. It's, it's a real passion. Like it's a hobby. Even if I didn't keep my profits, I would probably do it just for the fun of it, you know? So, um, yeah. And then eventually I moved out to Arizona. That was back in New Mexico. I didn't know anyone with a watch that was worth more than a hundred dollars. Um, and if they did, I had no idea. Um, but New Mexico was a very impoverished, uh, state, very high rate of poverty. Um, just, kind of impoverished, impoverished culture in a lot of ways too. And so to even think about spending a thousand bucks on a watch, I, I mean, if I told my family that I was using that money for that, I would have seen people's jaw drops and people would have fainted. It, they couldn't have fathomed this kind of thing. Um, but once I moved out to Arizona, you know, I was spending a lot of time in Scottsdale and Gilbert is also a really kind of high end um, city. Uh, the average household income actually in Gilbert, which is where I live, is higher than even Scottsdale, Arizona, which is kind of known for being a ritzy place. So, I mean, I go out to restaurants, I go to church and I see guys wearing, I kid you not, someone sat in front of me in church a few months ago and I saw a longest son, uh, Zeitwerk striking hour. Uh, I think that's what it's called, or that's the minute repeater. So it's a $125,000 watch and the dude was just wearing it out. Yeah. <laughs> like sure. a psychopath it wasn't in a safe somewhere like saw it it was in front of me <laughs> yeah, that, that makes uh, him a psychopath just, oh it was it was yeah. unbelievable and yeah and so i just realized there's so much money out here and people love these beautiful pieces of art i also still get the mechanical fix that i've always been into you know cars guns watches they're all just fun little things to put your hands on um, and so I got hooked on watches um, when I realized there's a big market for it. And whatever I buy with a watch, I'm not going to necessarily lose money. Or if I do, it's negligible to wear what I get to wear. So, yeah, that's been kind of my journey to get to where I am buying watches. So let's back up them. a little bit because I have a question about, you know, you mentioned yeah. with with cars that, you know, it was pretty easy to find a car at 2500 bucks and sell for 3500 when you're first getting started. And that sounds like, uh, I don't know, you tell me, was it a very people-centric kind of pricing? Like, did you find a guy who was kind of desperate, just needed to get out? And that's how we managed um, to get those prices? Or what did you do for your negotiations? It was, it was always different. And that's a good question. Um, eventually, I started working with actual licensed dealers after getting my feet wet with it. And so I get, did end up getting access to dealer auctions and, you know, wholesale pricing. But with that, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you get them cheap. But with that comes, you don't get to test drive the cars. You don't get to scan them. You don't get to take them to your mechanic. You just throw a bid up in the auction and you hope it works. And what big dealers do is they have all their mechanics and they put in 1500 bucks in, you know, reconditioning to every car they get no matter what. So they don't, you know, I didn't even have that. Like I was able to fix little things on my own. But um, I couldn't really just go for junk and fix it up. I was so I was very intentional with how I bought it. It was usually people who were moving up. They were trading out of their car. They had their, um, you know, Volvo for eight years. It served their family well. You know, over eight years, a lot changes. So they probably were in a better financial position anyways to get a newer car. Um, and that's usually what people do. And they say, yeah, we're going to, you know. Whatever we sell it for, we're going to put on our down payment on our new Volvo or our new BMW or whatever. Um, and so to them, they were going to buy a $40,000 car. And usually when, you know, 
if you're thinking about 40 grand, you're anchored pretty high and to lose a thousand bucks on a $3,000 car, especially to a nice, you know, sharp sounding kid who is just, you know, eager to make it really quick, pay with cash, get it all over with. I knew what I was talking about with cars. So, you know, they weren't afraid that I was going to nickel and dime them or call them back if something broke or, you know, complain. So I just made it really simple for them. Um, and that was pretty typical. And it, it's really funny because I was really surprised with some of the ways people negotiated with me. I was expecting more people to put up a fight and throw a fit over 500 bucks. And a lot of people just didn't in this, who were in that position. Yeah, there were some who were like, they needed every hundred dollars on their car and usually I couldn't make a good enough deal with them. Um, but yeah, like I said, you're doing okay. You've got a good full paying job. You can full-time job. You can afford a, you know, a few hundred bucks off a negotiation. If it means getting rid of your car that day. Now was this, was this before so, Kelly Blue Book was excess, like very well known? Um, I got into it before I heard about Kelly Blue Book. They were pretty well known, but they they weren't super popular either. I would sometimes quote people and they would just say, I don't know what you're talking about. I want this much. And I'd say, you know, sometimes I, but it wouldn't even help argue with people because they if you told them something, they would just, eh, I disagree. I don't, I don't believe Kelly Blue Book. Now what, you know? Um, but it was coming out. Yeah. And, and once I really got my hands on it, then it definitely helped me judge things. But I had always looked more at the actual marketplace and what was really for sale um, at any given time. That was what I really based things on because I knew that if people's options were a salvage title Honda, for five grand or a nice hundred thousand mile sob, they're going to take the sob. Um, you know, it's cleaner, it's a nicer car, you get leather, heated seats, stuff like that. Um, and it's faster, it's got a turbo versus something that's so, so you could, you could, you could be conservative about your, your description. And if, if you're selling to the right person, at least, and be like, look, it's reliable, the heated seats, really nice, it's old, but. It's good. I mean, it's, it's nice, you know, it's like for, for a family man or something yeah. like that, or for, I mean, it's different than the watch market in that way. Right. Like the, the people seem much more wide ranging. The, yeah, you get, oh yeah, you definitely did get, I mean, I sold what well, it was funny because I would sell to either really kind of broke people like myself in high school, like this is all their money and they're just buying a car and that to them is a blessing to have a car. Um, and then I sold to a lot of like, oh, this is my third car. Oh, this is our commuter car, um, which to me was like, whoa, they have enough money. They can have more than one car per licensed driver. <laughs> that was unbelievable. But yeah, it was a wide range. And, you know, to be honest, I, I love I enjoy watches a lot more because if I lowball someone on a car. I could see when they really were hurt by it. <laughs> Like, oh boy, how am I going to get the minivan for our expanding family? I'll have to get out a loan or I'll have to take out a bigger loan or I'll have to sell something else to get it. And that would hurt. And I, you know, my humanity side, I, you know, it was harder to negotiate people Wait, that bad. When I'm buying a $50,000 watch, I don't care what their problem is. Like, they're fine. You had <laughs> they can afford a couple of grand. Yeah, I thought you were, I thought you were some sort of ninja or spirit ninja. 
just talking. That that's all, that's good to hear though that you're a human and and uh, and all that. Um, yeah, but I agree with you. Yeah, the, watch, the watch world's very cold in certain ways. Yeah, I, I think people realize like you're buying a twenty thousand dollar watch, five hundred to a thousand dollar difference or a margin in a dealer's case or something. That's not going to hurt you. You can afford it, and they're they're always right because no one who's totally broke is spending their money on this stuff. I mean, some people are, but, um, which is, that's actually a really funny point too. I, I've sold a couple of watches. I, like I, there are some people who will, I kid you not, I've looked them up before, you know, I actually take their money and ship them the watch just to see who they are. And I've sold $3,000 watches to CEOs of, multi-million dollar companies i mean literally ceos top guy they're doing very well three thousand bucks is not gonna kill them and they they still just deliberate over the thing oof i don't know three could you do 2800 you know they're really hesitant and then i've also sold twenty thousand dollar watches to children just about we were like, oh, 20 grand. Let's see. I've got uh, 28,000 in my bank. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I, I can make it work. Don't even, don't even bat an eye. So it's, it's really funny where people are coming from. And I think, you know, as you being the watch quant, um, I think that really, <laughs> I knew you'd smirk when I said that, um, that really tells a story about what is incentivizing people to value things differently. Um, you can't just look at how much money they have. You have to look at how much they want it and what their alternatives are. And so it, that's just another reason why I love this kind of game is you see so much economics involved and it gets very complex. And yet people who don't know anything about these markets or economics itself, they're making these decisions every day. So it's just really interesting. And it's cool to see. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Like what are the factors in your mind that, that, build themselves into a price. Not that I'm going to say as watch quant or that, you know, anybody else will say, Hey, this, this, this price should be X, but like for you, what, sure. what makes a watch worth X dollars? What are the factors? Yeah. I, so it's a loaded question to me. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And I talk about this with a lot of my consulting clients too, because a lot of people don't understand incentive structures. And what I mean by that is what incentive do I have? Let's just say you're selling me a rose gold, olive green dial day date, which I'm getting in the mail any day now. Um, I actually haven't paid yet, but it's um, being authenticated by a third party. Um, but what's my incentive to buy it from you for 55 grand, which let's just say that's your asking price versus I get on eBay and the cheapest one is 52. Just hypothetically speaking, I have zero incentive to do that because you're just a stranger listing it on the internet. The guy who's asking 52 is just a stranger listing on the internet. So I have zero incentive for that because of my alternatives. And so I, you know, and I coach people on this, even just in their careers and not necessarily my paying clients, but um, I'll help coach people into, you know, understanding where they need to be in their career and how much money they should be making. And a lot of people, you know, millennials get a bad reputation for this, which I am one, um, but they want like all the money for very little work. And what I end up telling people to help them understand is what incentive does someone have to pay you? $25 an hour to do X, Y, or Z, 
if there are 50 other people who are willing to do it for $13 an hour or $12 an hour, there's zero incentive to do that. So why would they? And so that's where the incentives come into play. Now, that's more of a transactional and less emotional uh, type of situation. Um, and it's just how any kind of market works. I mean, that's kind of how the stock market works. Why would I pay this much when I can buy it for this much? Um, with watches, it's a little bit different because you have some people who are looking at it as strictly investments and they are looking at it as just, this is going to add to my net worth, or this is just me transferring my fiat, you know, cash into something that is useful and that I enjoy. Um, and then you also have some people who are buying it for no other reason than they like it. Um, and you see a lot of watch guys do that. And it's funny, I've noticed a lot of, it depends on the brand. So a lot of people who buy Rolexes, they're not big watch market followers. They're just people who think I need a nice celebration for my promotion at work. Or, you know, I, I'm now the VP of, a, of this company. I need, you know, I need to celebrate. I need to make a, I need a statement piece. Um, some people I graduated college and I just want to reward myself. And they don't think about what it's going to be worth in 10 years. They just buy it because they like it. And so you've got these two different competing interests that are both applying inputs to this watch market for the same kind of watches. So that's, that's like your typical Rolex. And there's a lot of brands like I think Hublot and uh, Ulysse Nardine. Those are more niche type of brands. And most people don't buy them because they think they're going to hold value. They only buy them because they're different, they're cool, and they love them. And so there's a really strong emotional attachment to these pieces. There's a really strong passion for them. And that's what's driving those prices. Um, another thing, too, is what do people think they're worth? A big part is just optics. And so everyone knows about the, you know, Tiffany Nautilus going super high in an auction and the Paul Newman Daytona that really set everyone on fire. When there's nothing, and I think I heard you talk about this, um, maybe when we talked the other day or maybe on your other podcast, I don't remember, but there's nothing that makes a steel Daytona inherently valuable, especially inherently more valuable than like a two-tone Daytona. Um, or a two-tone other kind of watch. In fact, the two-tone, since it has a little bit of gold in it, is going to be worth more inherently as far as melt value goes. But um, a lot of it is just optics. They have seen something that makes them think this watch might be worth a lot of money, so I better spend money on it. And they may not have an emotional attachment, and they may not know anything about the actual watch market itself, and they'll still value that watch high because of just the optics. And so that's that's a lot to do with branding and marketing, but that's, yeah. So there's so many things that are going into this watch stuff. It's not just about what are they trading at? It's also has to do with who's marketing the best and also what celebrity is wearing it this week. That always makes watches jump up. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's wearing this one. So, okay. I, I like that watch or even my dad, he watched the house of Gucci, I think it was called. And he saw this, I think it was a Breguet on one of the guy's wrists. And he suddenly can't stop talking about it to me. He's been asking me about it, where can I get a breguet like that? I'm like, Dad, you, you didn't even know what a breguet was. And most half the world doesn't either, even though it's a great brand, of course. They make some of the best watches. Um, but suddenly you're valuing it really high and you think it's, you know, really impressive. Um, so it's just funny. Uh, yeah, it's a loaded question. You you can't tie it down to one thing. And it's always shifting, too. So you never know what's going to happen. 
I don't know. Am I right? You you know more about that than I do. Well, I'm, I'm always sure. interested to learn to learn from you know other experts. Uh, I don't even consider myself to be a complete expert at all in watches. I'm definitely more of a, a markets and math person. And so everything you just said is is something that I have to try to make a number for. Then I have to consider if that number is dynamic. Is it yeah. a dynamic number? Are the goalposts moving that's at all the, times? They are. Yeah, that's the like hard said. part. And, and I've tried to do the same thing because, again, I have an engineering background, pretty good with Excel, mm -hmm. you know. And I've tried to mathematically model a lot of this stuff, especially when I was in the car world, because I was doing that a lot longer than watches. And there were just so many items I could not put a quantitative number to. I, not because it can't be done, but I just didn't have the ability to do so. Um, the color of the car. Uh, this one was a limited edition one. Oh, that makes it worth more. No, I didn't want the limited edition one because it has these wheels and I want the other. It's like, I wasn't ready for that. I don't know how to put that in a number and be consistent right. with it. And watches are the same way. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of that going on with watches today in particular. Um, so I think it's it's probably worth moving into uh, to the actual markets for a moment. You know, today, sure. I don't know if, if you've seen lately some of the prices that have been out there, but some of the watch, and I'm surprised it actually took this long, but some of the watches that we have seen really quite high with, with, a, with a ton of demand, I'm thinking from last week in particular, one that stuck out to me was the AP uh, uh, ceramic uh, ceramic titanium Grand Prix. Um, the one with the red oh. dial with the yellow, it's like a real badass like racer. Okay. It's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful watch. But um, I mean, the thing was trading at like 35, 38, down to like 20, 18, I think it went for. I'll have to look at the watch to watch actually. I'll pull it up now. And um, let me share my screen actually while I'm doing this because I can actually share cool. my screen. Uh, let's see, entire screen view. This one. There we go. Uh, sorry, new to this. This is a great. By the way, I'm not sponsored at all, but Podcastle, go buy it. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. Don't tell people to go buy it. They're go not paying buy money. it. It's cool. Uh, no, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's it's really easy to do audio, and then this is my first time doing video. Yeah, this actually is. This actually is really cool. I have a podcast too um, that I've worked on in the past. It's not launched. It's just sitting in my closet, basically. <laughs> but um, if I had podcasts, that yeah, I would have probably gotten a little more into it because this is pretty intuitive. Yeah, but anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, so like last week, I I try to cover watches that are where I see like if, if I'm seeing in the in you know the 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 back rooms, so to speak, that not everybody has access to. Uh, or you have to pay to get access to, or you have to get invited. I know you invited me to a couple of these, couple of these places, to be honest. Uh, as I said in our intro, you're, uh, you're kind of my watch mentor in, in, in some way or another. And so I always, uh, always appreciate your feedback and, and have me, I really appreciate having you on. But um, in some watch of those chance. back rooms, you'll see, you know, one watch go five times in a week. And that's, pretty indicative when you actually look at the other numbers when you, when you look at the ebay api for example which is where i pull a lot of my data from you'll see that the more popular i don't know for whatever reason but it's it's pretty close almost every time you'll see a ton a ton more demand on a week where you see a lot of demand on the in the back room so to speak and so this uh this is a top mover uh this is all my top movers right so i have 19 watches here mostly rolex it's just the way the, the penny 
Okay, so each of these is a different watch. And sorry, I'm having a okay. hard time reading it on my screen. I can't yeah, zoom in on zoom it. In. But what what is it suggesting? What like, what's the cash value? Let's talk about it. So right now I'm not talking about cash value. We're talking about percentage move in a week, and it's an absolute move, like a amplitude move. So top to bottom or bottom to top. Yeah. So the, if you if we click into any of these watches, which we can do, we will do for okay. the Grand Prix. Um, so in a week, these are this is what percent you're seeing from top to bottom. So yeah. so let's say that you know oh. this one here. This is the brand new uh, two tone, right? The one two six seven one three G R N R. I don't memorize these; uh, they're a little bit too much for me. But yeah, this is I the new two tone Jubilee GMT, right? Beautiful watch, but let's be real. You know, oh, yeah. two tones. Uh, two two tones are already kind of gaudy, and not so. So, what happened with twenty two percent? What changed? Like, are you saying that there have been some that sold for twenty two percent less than the week before? Twenty. Okay, that's like an no. average, or is that this the, is the range absolute? This is the absolute sales. top top mover swing. So this is this is the, this is the clickbait. So, so from the from the highest Correct. to the lowest. Yeah. There's from, a from peak to trough or from that is wild. Well, that's that's neat because you know this watch is all brand new, so it's not like you have one that's old and beat up. They're all in the same yeah. shape, so that's a crazy I wasn't swing. Surprised, and that's though, all to just be honest. Like if you yeah. if you've been paying attention to the to the auctions on this watch, its initial release was up at 50k. This is a two tone watch, two tone GMT. Right? I mean, yeah. that's real. I know. I know they. I remember they oh, haven't made yeah. jubilees for GMTs for a while, for a while, for a long time, but mm, that's no okay. reason for a watch to be trading at 50k. So, so I'm not surprised to see it down after the first week of trading, 22. percent That's actually kind of low. I was expecting it kind of go worse. And the solid gold one, it's pretty stable where it's at today. I think around 50, 55. But so weird how the two tone versus solid gold is just such a dramatic difference in demand. Yeah, but you know what's interesting and what I've been noticing in the trends, and we'll talk more about this, but uh, the two tones, as kind of gaudy and weird as they've been made out to be, especially in, and I don't think they're weird. I like two tones, to be honest. No, they're yeah. fine. I like two tones, but um, the the market, the hype market, the the demand side and, and the, the media side yeah. is really undervaluing the two-tone they don't care about the gold they think it looks a little weird i guess i i don't know the actual reasons why but i assume that that's the case i i got a two-tone daytona for fourteen thousand dollars sold it for sixteen thousand dollars it had a mop dial diamonds it was gorgeous gorgeous i mean i, I remember wear it. yeah you showed i me. couldn't wear the watch because it was so noticeable i wore it once just out to pick my kid up and every <laughs> parent i was neck like they were just like Give me weird, you know, give me weird looks. Like, what are you wearing that watch yeah. for? You for you weird, yeah. like the psychopath with the Zeitwerk. Um, <laughs> I mean, come on, that's under twenty k. It's not one hundred. No, 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 but, no, but they little, looked at me like I was wearing one hundred twenty k watch because it's so noticeable. The two tone is with the contrast. Yeah, I I know what you're yeah. talking about. So anyway, um, so the the big news uh, this week for me, and this wasn't my watch to watch was actually this this watch because I this watch I saw a lot a lot tr of trading going on. This is the, the 519, oh, it's fucking gorgeous. And this, the reason why this is oh, my story beautiful. is because the Steel Daytona, which just looks just like it, trades for the same, traded for the same yeah, price. And this is solid gold. So it's just it's silly, but there's a big bounce. We'll talk about that too if you want. But yeah, so the Grand Prix traded down from, from peak to trough, not, not on average. On average, it was only like a 25% move, um, but this is a 53% move. So... 
Um, there were wait, fifty three. Oh, that's the AP. The AP Grand Prix. Show that one. I want to see. I think I know what you're talking about. Is it the carbon forged? And it's got actual fiber. It's, um, like it's titanium with a carbon bezel. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I know which one so this the, is. And I think I saw this in your newsletter. I do read your emails, which I enjoy, yeah. by the way. If anyone's not on your email list, they need to be on it. Is it it's I'm dude, I was blown away with how much work you put into these emails. Thanks, man. Like they are high quality. I mean, it's stuff that you know someone would pay a subscription just to get, honestly. I, I'm not and even just saying that. It's packed <laughs> with value. Totally <laughs> yeah, and free, I will. totally Thanks. free. Uh, so Anyways, so yeah, I know this one. It does so the real quick. I can't see the bezel. Is the bezel like packed carbon fibers? Yes, I, I not, can't zoom in on this screen, but I can look it up. I, I think look it, it up is. Another... And I think it is, and it looks. If you just see pictures of it, I've seen pictures of the swatch and thought, "Oh, what's wrong with the bezel?" I didn't realize it was. Yeah, it looks a little bit messy kind of, uh, for, in, in pictures. Yeah, and so and so does the dial. It yeah, probably looks great in person. Let me pull it up uh, in a little bit bigger. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I've never liked this thing at all. That's fair, but it used to trade at thirty k, <laughs> you know. And this is a. And so, what are you saying about it now? What's happening? Now it's trading it? at. Uh, Someone sold one for half of that. Sold one. The snapshot price was seventeen thousand. So sna the snapshot price is basically like, hey, what did somebody actually do to sell this for? Somebody sold it for seventeen k, which is five k below my price, and my price is very conservative, right? These prices are taking into account a lot of the things you mentioned, right? So, you know, how popular is it? How many times is it mentioned on YouTube right. in in the in the high high influencer right. videos, if it if at all? How many yeah. sold last month yeah. versus how many are available today? Well, and and another thing that comes into the play here, which is probably hard for you to capture, is where is it selling? Because, I mean, it's just like the old econ kind of story you hear in your very first econ class in college. You know, how much is a water bottle worth? No, oh, about a dollar. How much is a brick of gold worth? Oh, I don't know, thousands. All right, now what if you're walking through the desert and it's been, you know, 24 hours? Then how much is your water bottle worth compared to gold? It's like, I can't do anything with gold. I need the water. So it's where you are. I mean, that's that's an extreme it's example. It's actually not. Perfect for instance, example, if it's Matt, on... Because what, think about yeah. just the news in the past two weeks. What is happening right now with banks? I don't know. I don't use them. How many banks saying, have I, gone? I how many banks have gone under? I've been avoiding the news. There's, I mean, it's been there's been some news about the five banks. banks yeah. have gone to zero in the past two weeks. There's some there's some big yeah some big L's taken and lately. one of the biggest, two of the biggest in the in the last two weeks have gone all the way to zero. Literally got what was in the two weeks? I don't even I haven't followed the news in two so, weeks. So uh, Silicon Valley Bank, I know you've heard of that one. Signature oh, that was ages ago. Uh, those are the two I know for sure. And then there was two or three other ones, like smaller regional banks. Yeah, no, you're right. I remember. I heard about these. Yeah, so people are unsure. But at the end of the day, the only reason why people didn't like uh, people who actually have deposits didn't get screwed is because the F the FDIC didn't pay the two fifty. They paid the two fifty. The Fed printed the rest. So no no depositors lost money. But it, it cost the taxpayers the dollars to actually make sure that that was the case, which is not is not right. Yeah, it's I mean, what's the point of the FDIC if that's the case? Like, but at the end of the day, yeah, we paid for it with the yeah. Well, probably <laughs> it'll come later. But at the end of the day, what does that actually mean? What's the underlying 
incentive structure there. First of all, it's a moral hazard and a half. It means that any bank can do whatever the hell they want because they can go to zero and they're not going to owe anything, right? They're going to get printed in. They're uh, going to get pr printed money. Maybe, yeah. That's. I mean, that's part of it. I, but uh, the other thing, they they need a reason to not. Yeah, suck. yeah. You need some risk management. I'm sure they have some, but I don't. I don't know how the banking industry works on that level. But sure, yeah, definitely yeah. risk management would be nice. Um, but but then there's also this notion of. Uh, I don't know, like as a, as a, a normal schmo, a Joe schmo, am I expected to look at the balance sheet of a bank before I open a checking account and then keep tabs on it to make sure yeah, that they're absolutely. doing risk management properly? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there are two sides of the same I, argument. It's like, Hey, I shouldn't have to do that. I just want my money to be safe. If, especially if they're not paying me anything, they don't pay you anything to put it in a checking account 0.1% or something. Um, right. but it could go to zero. If I put a million dollars, I could lose three quarters of a million because I put it in the wrong bank. Whoops. So, yep. yeah. So I'm because like, of yeah. that, there's a pressure for the big money. Anybody who has more than $250,000 in any single account is probably saying, you know what? I probably want to put some of that in a bank vault or in my safe at home or in my factory safe or wherever they have their safes. Um, yeah. and it's my suspicion that lots of these people, would prefer to have an amazing gold watch, piece of art, rare, limited edition, whatever may have you, than a solid block of gold, even though a solid block of gold is technically worth more value, it's also useless and not as cool. I mean, this is pretty straightforward. This, on the other hand, For is sure. carbon fiber. And that's cool, but it's cool loses its cool when the banks are going under. Do you know what I mean? So you're saying that this may be in part due to people's trust of currency and banking yeah, and a desire to move. If they're going to put money somewhere, they want it in at least a, a metal, if not precious metal, ideally. Well, this is titanium. because carbon is an infinitely abundant. I mean, it's literally like one of the most common elements on our yeah. earth and or well, titanium is, is anywhere. a little bit more Never. expensive than, you know, your average steel. It's like a 904L steel is going to be like, 50 bucks for this watch that, you know, the weight of this watch titanium is going to be much more expensive. It's harder to work with. It's really, really right. Uh, yeah. hard. You know, it's very light, but it's very hard. So it's very brittle. Um, but the point of the matter is, yeah, exactly what you're saying. When people lose trust in the system, when the VIX spikes, for example, which we actually haven't seen a lot of huge spikes in the VIX, but the VIX is kind of trending, which is an even scarier thing. It's supposed to mean revert, you know, it's mm. supposed to go up and then go down to zero. But that's kind of definitely a different story for a different podcast. It's my suspicion that when you see lots of fear in the system, you're going to see steel and ceramic watches go down and you're going to see gold watches go up because what do you want? That's you know, what do you want to have in your, in your safe in two years when it's okay to put your money back in the banks? To right. I, that's, Ooh, that's no, I didn't even think about that. And that, it's kind of obvious in a way. I, I hope you're right. Cause yeah, I just, I mean, I just bought this gold day day and I'm trying to buy other gold pieces. I naturally by default think this way because I just don't trust the government and I don't trust the powers that be that, you know, make our money worth what it is or which I mean, even money. It's I love economics because like everything is so relative, like paper money is worth nothing. Even real, you know, like money is worth nothing unless people say it's worth something. It's really crazy. Um but yeah, I naturally just tend towards gold for that reason of, well, if the watch market goes to crap, I've got gold. Like, 
And I'm not going to buy you solid gold, like you said, because it's useless. This, it will at least tell the time and I'll know how late I am to wherever I'm going. And it'll, and it'll start which a conversation. Is, you go right to the boardroom and you'll feel a little different. You'll probably, you'll probably oh, yeah. get perceived in a different way because of the watch you're wearing. Maybe for better or worse, you know, who knows? If you're really oh, dude, good. that, yeah, I, I just... I just stopped by an AD, a Rolex AD, and was telling them, look, I never really liked Rolex, but this is what everyone notices. And so I hate to be sound shallow, but I need something that my clients actually know what it is because, you know, I wore that Cartier, which is a $40,000 watch, the solid gold, walnut? rose gold um, with the wood, walnut wood dial. Oh, it's so pretty. I really so want pretty. to wear that watch, man. Um, I, yeah, I wore it. I've worn it several different places. And People with like a steel Submariner or a Pepsi or what is, what is it, Pepsi? Yeah, the GMT yeah. Master. They'll be with me and they'll have no idea that my watch is way better than theirs. And then suddenly I'm just not that. <laughs> my watch is way better. Yeah, but you know. So how do people know I'm important? They need, you know, exactly. I need a Rolex. It sucks. Yeah. Or at least we wear And, you know, same. I've had the same experience wearing my AP too, which is a 20. Yeah, I've have a, you know, wearing my $25,000 AP sends a way bigger message and is literally worth more dollars to me as a businessman, as an, as a consultant, you know, someone who perception is everything in consulting, unfortunately, but like wearing that versus my $40,000 Cartier is sending a better message and people have more reasons to want to talk to me about business because they think I'm yeah. doing better. And so it's just no, goofy, it's but that's true. yeah, that's, that's yeah. Cute. So that's, and that's, that's exactly why, why I, have built and am still working on my data pipeline to make it really precise, but something called the hype score, right? The hype factor here for this particular watch is below 100%, which means that my math is not there yet because <laughs> it's supposed to be a scale between 100 and negative and 100, right? It's a, a up and down scale. Um, this one is so under spoken about. It's never spoken about. It's literally like this and actually part part of the game here we only really have 20 minutes because i think this only goes to an hour um the game here was i wanted to talk about three watches i wanted you to talk about three watches that we thought had a chance to go up over the next whatever any any period of time sure and this is my number one because you were just talking about hey watches that are noticeable and that are gorgeous and they feel good on the wrist and people actually notice iwc this particular the portuguese the portuguesers this is actually before, I think this is before the oh movie. yeah the Let's solid gate the solid gold case back the black dial is not as beautiful as the white dial I'll readily admit it because there's no blue on it there's a little blue on the white dial that's but it's a, to in, in my opinion it's totally my opinion but this is totally yeah. undervalued give give people the reference number for people who are just listening yeah. let them so this look is it the up. Portuguese chrono automatic and the reference number is three seven one four one five. Um, so it is a solid gold watch on a leather strap, a beautiful croc leather strap. And, you know, currently we have it rated undervalued. And so undervalued simply means that the price, the dynamic of this watch right now, it's the, the, the market is currently undervaluing it. And why is it undervalued? Well, there's multiple reasons. One, because nobody's talking about it. But two, and very importantly, the underlying value According to the amount of gold, the heaviness, the heft of this gold of this watch, which is about two and a half ounces of pure gold, it's about three and a half ounce watch. Um, it's five thousand dollars, and it's trading for sixty six hundred. So you're getting almost no premium wow. above of a spot. 
So you pay sixteen hundred bucks for a movement and a Santorini leather. Yeah, strap which is one of the best straps I've ever worn. Yeah. I mean, these are amazing. Oh, dude, they're straps. Um, they're awesome. So comfortable. They feel just. They feel and they're like, like orange le leather, which is so unique and rare yeah. and gorgeous. And it just, you just know when you're wearing it, like this is legit, like a legit watch. Um, and it's noticeable. This one, I haven't had so many people. Even with like, I'm wearing a Daytona right now, people don't really notice it because it's white gold. People notice this. It's it's beautiful pink gold, and it's just it doesn't stand out like gaudy. It's very very uh, classy. Yeah, you're you're kind of selling me on. I, I might want to go pick one. Super up classy. Now. I do recommend the white dial, but this is the one that's trading so low that I it's if you if you can pick one up for my bid at sixty two hundred bucks, dude. I mean, hold it for. Hold it for oh, yeah, that sounds that sounds like you're killing it. Well, I've seen steel Portuguese chronographs going for that range. Exactly. You can get a little bit more popular one because this is an older model. You get a little bit more popular, newer one. You could okay. spend like fifty five hundred on it for sure. Maybe 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 more. Yeah. Nice. So you say it's going up? Is my what you're opinion. Saying. My opinion. This is going up. What about you? What's what's how your first watch? Like, what do you mean? How much is it going up, and how quickly? That's, that's not, you know, that's what what, in one year. Is it going <laughs> to be? Is it in one year? Is it going to be ten percent up, or is it I'll going to be one like I'm going to... you know, wait fifty years and it'll have beat inflation by one percent a year? I believe it will like absolutely beat inflation. You? Yes, watches in general have beat beat inflation quite quite heavily. Um, that's that's fair. as gold as has gold. Um, but what will it be in six well, months? Okay, so that's again, I won't do that first of all because it's illegal. But second of all, like I'm not allowed to like make. <laughs> I can't speculate on price like that and tell people what it's going to be. Yeah, and I take the and I take yeah, the chance of being yeah. wrong because guess what? I know it's a 50-50 shot if I'm right or wrong. Not even. How many people did you say watch the first <laughs> one? What are the odds that one of them works for the SEC? Okay, well, that's true. But I I would like to get I would like to get to the point where people actually do listen to this. So I didn't do that. Um okay. So Matt, one well, I, I, mean, it's okay I do want to tell you one thing. We're okay. working on a Black Shoals model, which is going to be based on liquidity, volatility, and probability. Therefore, okay. we, we will be okay. able to understand based on the standard deviation of price, based on real data, how many of these are selling, at what price, and what does that curve look like? You know, you know that kind of the the Pareto distribution sort of curve. Eighty twenty. Yeah, the bell yes, curve. the bell curve. Yeah, very good. Um, so if you if you have ever looked at stocks or options or anything like that, they all can fit on that curve somewhere. And you can actually figure out approximately what the probability of something happening is, depending on how far out in the future is, if you understand what the volatility is of the, of the, of the asset and what the standard deviation is, which is also affected by the volatility. So that's what we're working on. We're just not ready to, to kind of put that out there. So all I can say is that cool. this is clearly undervalued and it's something that I know is going to go up. I just don't know. I have to watch or, it. You know, yeah. When you can, yeah, you can tell me privately what you think it'll be worth, and maybe we could place a bet. And whoever I won't closer. tell you, but we could place a bet. Actually, I, I would place a bet with you, but I wouldn't. I won't tell you what it's. I won't tell you where it's going to go. That's yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, I won't make you take you out of your comfort zone because you really <laughs> take it on this like Hippocratic oath as the watch doctor, watch quant. Yeah. Like, you know, well, you're you a consultant, Matt. Dare. You know, there's the consultant's creed. Dude, I tell people to do crazy stuff all the time. <laughs> they won't listen if right. I don't. I, and then you know when I just make sure they think it was their dumb idea, you know, so they don't sue me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, most of my clients, if something doesn't work, 
they blame themselves, not me. So it's great. It's a great gig. That's what it's all about. <laughs> I'm just, like I'm just joking. Um, I, I do take responsibility too. But anyways, okay. Do you want to hear? Do you want to yes, hear my please. watch? Let's do three. One, no. one, 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 one. Okay. Right, let's go. I'm gonna. Okay. I don't know if I have three, but three, I do one. have. So, okay. I'll. Well, I'll do the one that I just bought. I'm putting my money where that's my it. mouth is. By the way, that's mm-hmm. another thing. Just for your audience's sake. If someone's telling you something about, oh, this is going to the moon. Oh, this is expensive. See how much skin they have in the game. Because if they're not putting any money on something that they think is going to double in five years, why wouldn't they? What else are they doing that's doubling in five years? You know? Um, So I'm putting my money where my mouth is on this one. This rose gold, olive day date, um, olive green dial. Um, And it's a, so it's a Rolex day date. I think it's 228-235. Um, is the reference yep. number for people to look and look for that olive green. And I, you know, right now it's around 50 K I'll just say that um, there are some going under and maybe wholesale, especially um, and on the retail, well, not on the retail market. They're probably mid fifties on eBay chrono 24. I think they're in the low fifties, something like that. So, you know, I'm just going to say 50 grand. Is the, oh, you got it. Yeah, pulled up. So this is what, you know, this is, Basically, the way that this works, our price check is it starts you at the recommended price uh, for a buy. So around 50. That doesn't mean that it can't go for okay. more. It doesn't mean it can't go for less. It's just our right, price. right. Okay, so 50. A little so over 50, on. exactly. And at 50, at okay. this price, we consider this to be market perform, which is basically the best you can be. It's not undervalued, so it's not underappreciated, but it's also not blowing out of the park yet. There's room for growth, oh, and good. there's also room to go down. I like that. I, I like this. I like the graphic too. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, I think this watch will is such a safe buy at fifty mm-hmm. grand, long term or just short term, really. And and to be honest, I I really just want to wear this to a conference I'm going to in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> and after that, I don't care if I keep it. I mean, I love the watch, but you know, it you will definitely these, be noticed. You can get these everywhere. Like I literally am buying it for a weekend, but. Um, yeah, like I, I didn't really like. I said I've never been a big Rolex guy. I think they're basic. I think people who buy them on average just have no idea about anything about watches. They don't appreciate them. They they don't even know they're supposed to wind them up in the morning. You know, they're just normal people, um, not freaks like you and me. Um, <laughs> but this watch, when I saw it in person, it's one of the most beautiful watches I've held. Yeah. It it is gorgeous and you know the rose even the tint of rose gold the ever rose it's not my favorite i like other red really i'm a big fan of the ever rose it's very pretty it's got a it's a true rose gold it's got a very pinkish rose Mm -hmm. hue i just prefer more a reddish gold um like my cartier or like omega sedna gold is one of my favorite um, because it's a very red um it's a very warm earthy kind of tone but yeah, I think that the olive day date, especially and over the other day dates too, because this olive green is just so fun. It's not bright and flashy like a child would be wearing it, like you know, the new Jubilee or not Jubilee celebration dial that Rolex came out with. It's not like pizzazzy. It's it's not like a child's birthday, you know, card. But it's not just boring and white or black the way or blue that you see everywhere it's got a pop to it and it's, it's just a warm, natural tone. And I also think green has struck a nerve in the last year or two. And I think people are, I think green is here to stay. 
Um, and this is a kind of subtle, and like I said, it's a warm green. And so mixed with the rose, the warmth of the rose gold, I just think the passion is there. I think people will like it so much. And then I also know that it's valuable because I see people buying these, you know, dealers and traders, I see them buy them for a certain price. And then I see them selling them for less than a thousand dollars more, which to me is dumb. Like, why would you spend 50 grand to make $500? That sounds idiotic to me. I'm seeing actual, you know, maybe not professional. I don't know if I call them professional, but experienced traders making less than 500 bucks, literally marking up 250 bucks because they just want the watch. They want to wear it. So that says something when you're not trying to kill it and it's your job. You know, for me, this is a hobby. This is for fun. So I don't care if I make or lose money on them. It, it's really just to wear right. them. And it's a game. You know, I like the money aspect of not losing it and investing. But, you know, when, when you see professionals doing buying this thing so they can wear them, not to mention, I see them, you know, in the exclusive dealer chats that I've joined, like I see them, people asking to quote these clients probably every, every other day at a minimum, if not twice a day sometimes. Yeah. So I just know they're popular and I really think it may not get up to 95 gram like it was a year ago today, but I think it's going to keep, it's going to hold firm around this 50 K. I don't think it's ever going to be worth too much less. And I, I think it could go up quite yeah. a bit, you know, but there's just so many of them. The reason why it wouldn't in my mind is there's so many and you can always buy one for about the same. Yeah. Price. But you know, I, it's my no inkling more. that they are going to retire this style. I mean, not well, that I know that shit, the equation. I really do think they're going to retire the dial. Yeah. Well, everyone thought they were going to this year. I, I talked to another, you know, a fellow kind of watch enthusiast who paid 95 grand for this last year because mm -hmm. he thought it was going to be discontinued. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, year fucking, I love that. <laughs> oh, dude, it was hilarious. Yeah, I was like, how did you? Anyway, so I'm in it for around okay. 50. Well, you'll make money on um, it because like you said. I'm thrilled. Even if I don't, like I said, on, if I get in mind, this is really, this is for buyers. Like this is very conservative, these numbers. So me, me saying 50 market perform, you can buy and flip up to, up to outperform. So this has, I mean, let's see how far this has to go until it gets to outperform. You're saying you could potentially sell for over 50 is what for you mean. sure. I mean, I've seen them lately at 56, 57. So it's still in market perform at 58,000. Which means the par paradigm yeah, has a if lot you don't, of room. If you don't dig too deep, if you don't it's dig for a deal, yeah, you can is pay over 50 And even outperform is actually fine to buy because it's only when you get to overprice that it's dangerously high. Like, for example. Because that's what you're saying is the probability of losing money is Yeah, high. that's when the probabilities are not in your favor ever in that paradigm. Where the, we have way too much downside and there's barely any upside. Outperform is not yeah. is not necessarily that. It's outperform is when it's probably trading well above MSRP, but there's also a lot of demand for it. And you know, there's probably a lot of value. That's why we use value and demand in the same in the same um, place, you know, on the same graph in order to determine yeah. where this matrix. actually is. So this matrix is based on value cool. and demand and MSRP. So this is trading above MSRP more than Oh, yeah. high demand and you know uh also high value because it's made of you know pure pure gold so i agree with you i think that watch is awesome and um certainly room for for growth my second watch is um i don't i doubt you'd be surprised by my second watch but um, i gotta look it up Where is my um i think i lost it okay my second watch is the blue dial daytona because 
Oh, the white gold? Yeah, white gold, blue dial. I'm a huge white gold fan. I just think it's just like crazy that um, there's actually yellow gold as well that might be undervalued. But to be honest with you, I think it's this blue dial that currently I have it between 38 and 42, just because that's what the numbers, where the numbers have been kind of going for uh, for the dealers. It, but it sounds low, like that might not be easy to buy it at. No, it would be, sure, it'll be tough to find it at this price for sure. Um, but for sure, I've seen it, I've seen it trading at, no, at, at like 45, I've seen it trading at 44. Like it's a little bit crazy considering this is a retired dial and this was, yeah. this was my watch, watch to watch a couple weeks ago because it went all the way down to 30, what was it? 32, one trade. I remember you told me that and I did not believe it. I thought I you were just you, right? mistaking yeah i yeah when you showed me i was like what do you what, what i mean this? that's what happens sometimes look, auctions are completely inefficient right because it's yeah well and that watch was an older model true. too true. which to some people makes a world of a difference but but yeah it's the same watch like you said it's a retired dial that was a racer dial with roman this is not and i think people it's a, it's a you know a matter of taste like you said um people like the roman dial or not but they're, it's the actual under underlying dial that's retired. In my opinion, if you're if you can get this watch for under like fifty, this is my opinion. It's undervalued, and my, I mean, this actually says Mark Perform at this price at forty seven. So and forty seven is probably where the market is right now. Um, like I said, yeah. maybe dealers are probably getting it at forty four, forty five. We have two minutes. Just a quick time. Oh check yeah, yeah. Here. What's your what's your next one? All right, I'm gonna put this out there. It's a Longison Saxonia Moon Phase okay. with the big date, and it's a black dial. Um, I saw one of these in person at a local jeweler when I was just kind of shopping around, and I always thought I would like the um, oh, what's it called? The caught no, not cosmic graph, something graph. Cron what is it's the not, word? The Longison. I'm thinking of a, no, no. Oh my gosh. It's I love a, that watch, but no, that's not what I'm talking about. Saxonia black. Oh, moon Saxonia. Face. That's all you need to type. I had, um, I had it used down. Yeah. And it's red, it's red gold or rose gold. I, you know, I always thought I like long story short. I thought I liked the other longest zones way better than the Saxonia. It's kind of the entry level model, but I held this and it's perfect. I, everything about it is perfect. I was shocked. And the black is rich. It's almost like it has color to it, but it's black. It's uh, it's just beautiful. I love it. And then the big day in the corner, kind of like this one. But yeah, if you could pull that up, that'd be great. But if not, all right, I'll let you go to your next well, one. Well, I'm going to pull it up because I want to see this. Is this is this what you're talking about? Yes, that's see, I, it. I don't oh, cover, except uh, Washpont doesn't cover Longazuna, and I, I feel like an idiot for that. Uh, we probably will. There's oh, just, no. There's a, Oops, there's a lot of... You. Dude, it's a lot of work <laughs> right now. Fully yeah, I know. This so, is like so. This watch in rose yeah. gold. I mean, this is so you got the white gold one, but look at that black, it's got depth to it. And then the stars in the moon phase thing. Oh, it's just so pretty. Um, and then longest zone, I think a brand as a oh, brand I is hot. And it's that going rotor, up. Dude. So that's my take. I love that rotor, and it's got a cool. Oh, yeah, I think platinum, the brand uh, is starting to get, yeah, it's got a platinum blade on the edge of the rotor so it so it spins faster or so it has more weight to it you know oh yeah that's that's epic yep. dude it's beautiful beautiful watch 
Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I mean, I liked the German watches. I'm a big fan of uh, OG, Guasute Original. Geo. Um, I call them OG because it's cool. It's cooler. <laughs> I'm a nerd. Uh, I like Langazuna. I like I like OG. And um, God, there's a, there's one I heard of the other day that somebody told me about to keep an eye on uh, a German maker, also in Guasute. I guess that's just the town. Is it Nomos? No, I like Nomos though. I'm a big fan of Nomos. They're just not really a part of the market, if you, if you will. Like they're not going to. They're not going to move. Original. Long uh, it's something with an M. It's two words. Ah, I'll look it up. See, I'm not an expert. More expert. That's it. Yeah. Good. Good job. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh yeah, I love. I don't think they're ready. Here's my view. Ready? Moritz Grossman is venture capital seed investment. Really? In ten years, twenty years, it might blow up. Might blow up because they're such awesome watches i mean the founder came from longison and was motivated because she thought that longison was just sending out eh, half finished watches they weren't really finishing their watches properly. really and longison's not finishing watches so yeah i think Morris grossman's amazing oh i've i really want a tremblage if you look that up t-r-e-m-b-l-a-g-e i'm like right on the fence of of buying one but I'm just afraid I'll never be able to sell it if I ever want to, which it's great. But Moritz um, Grossman wouldn't kill me to keep one, but I, I like novelty. Okay, you know, cool. I like getting a new thing every month, a new toy. But um, looks like, dude, this yeah, looks like you a, can't um, see the prettiness of it. This looks like a Mont Blanc. Let's be real. Which isn't a bad thing. I think uh, Mont okay, no, amazing, it doesn't, but this <laughs> dial. No, the dial, if you zoom in on yeah. the dial, it's hand finished. You literally tremblage. It means to tremble. So they're trembling as they engrave every single tiny little detail on this dial, yeah, and it takes a flipping long so these, time. So to these make numbers, the these thing. numbers have been carved out of stone, legit, like literally. With uh, I don't know if the numbers were carved out. They, I don't. They don't think look like appliques. I think they're uh, don't look like they're applied, dude. They look like they're part of that dial. No, they're not applied. They're they're metal. Um, I think they are. If they're not extruded, I think they're placed on somehow. I I don't know exactly how they do the number the numerals. So. Um, the hands on this they do either a purple or a brown. So it's an even shorter window you have when you're tempering yeah, um, than blue. Blue is easier to achieve than purple or brown, and that's what they go to just to go that extra mile. Yeah. And then on the on the back side, you look at the bearings. They're not rubies. They're actually clear sapphire. So you see more into the watch. It's just so cool. And then, you know, there's just so much about, I mean, look how clean that is. You could eat off that thing. Yeah. Um, anyways, I think this is a seed stage. No one's heard of them yet. But I think in 20, 30 years, they'll blow up. And if you had one of these early pieces then you're suddenly going to have one of the hottest commodities. Now, that's 30 years or at least 10 years in the future in my mind. So there's always a chance that no one ever finds out and then they just, you know, stop. You know, they never become important. Right. But I think this is like your venture investment. Go big or okay. go home. I think longest on is like a pre-IPO. It's a private, you know, still they're still private. You still have a good chance that they're going to blow up. And you could get a huge return if, you know, I'm talking about if you're investing in a company, um, but they're not, they're not quite there yet. Like Rolex is like, you know, buying Coca-Cola or something. 
it's just steady. It's consistent. Everyone knows about it. You know, these are the more, I mean, this is like a company that's, I just heard about on another podcast that's mining platinum off of an asteroid. It's like, whoa, okay, that might be a thing. Who knows? It's just crazy and out there. So Did, wait, are they actually anyways, doing that? Because that I, uh, that's a whole nother podcast because company. I can't imagine that being economical at this time. Not even remotely. Not a yeah, thousand dollars uh, down. It is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It It is a real startup. But like I said, it's a startup. And I've worked with, as a consultant, I've worked with uh, venture capital firms in the past, as well as high technology, hard technology startups uh, who are doing things that are just they're so weird that if I told you, you'd be like, what? It wouldn't even make sense what the business is about because it's just so high tech. Right. Um, and then I've been, you know, I've worked with venture capital investors sim who do similar kinds of investments, but they go for the crazy and they go, they don't want to double their money in a few right. years. They want to a thousand X their money, just maybe whenever, right. <laughs> maybe in 10 years. So that's what I think of as Moritz Grossman. Longest one's similar, um, but Moritz Grossman even more in the nation stages. What, what do you what do you think, Moritz Grossman or FB Bjorn? Um, I would bank more on FP Bjorn as an investor personally because they are already catching traction, um, and they make a very small number of watches like Moritz Grossman. Moritz Grossman makes like 150 watches a year, so they're just too unknown. FP Jorn has caught traction. People like them already, even though they don't know what they are most of the time. Um, and they're known for crazy avant-garde technology oh, this is such a beautiful and watch. perfection. Talk about well. watches. You can't go wrong. Yeah. I love that yeah, thing. Crazy. How much is that? I, I am interested in this. A hundred. Is well, it, please tell me it's precious oh, yeah. metal. This is a platinum and then it's got a gold movement. Okay. <clears throat> that's oh wow okay so it might justify 100 grand um no <laughs> well i mean as far as like true intrinsic value no but this is a piece of art and from from the influencer yeah, no, world says not like the media Fine. hype words i see attached to fb Jorn are like picasso and you know it, like it's like art words it's totally unlike any other brand um in that yeah. way where yeah, people associate right. it to art I agree. I've noticed. I agree, the same thing. and and people, uh, I people, people have said like if if uh, if he were to die, FP, uh, Jorn, the actual, I'm sorry, is it Paul, something Paul? What's his what's his name? Francois, Francois Paul. Paul. Okay, I was gonna say Frank, but that, that would have been that would have been worse than just asking. <laughs> I think this um, <laughs> if Francois Paul were to pass, that these watches made 10x. Um, again, this podcast is not about go make 10x, but but it's good. I, I like so in other words, buying an FP Jorn is shorting Francois Paul Jorn's life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can enjoy it in the meantime, okay. crazy. Yeah. So I'm gonna invest on in FPJ as a person on the short <laughs> by buying this watch. And I hope he dies so it goes well, to the that's, moon. Yeah, that's yeah I, I feel like it's like, hey, if some <laughs> some person really wanted to, they could like spend a couple mil. I'll go out there and just like 86 the guy. I mean, I'm just, I'm just don't do that. Please don't do that. Whoever <laughs> And you won't even tell people what six months from now a watch will be valued. <laughs> You're calling go, go murder FPJ. No, don't do it, please. I didn't say I'm gonna have That's to edit that out. I'm editing that out. Blurting it. Beep. Anyway, Matt, thank you for thank you so much for joining me. We didn't get through all three. 
but I think we, we discovered a little value here with the, the, the Olive Day Day, the Black Dial Portugueser. Um, and I hope you'll come back again soon, man. I would love to talk more, man. Let's keep in touch. And hopefully I see you back here on another podcast. Yeah, sounds good. All right, buddy. Talk soon. All right. Thanks, brother. Talk to you soon. Bye.